0: This is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 107 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to my new listeners. Welcome to existing listeners. And welcome to those of you who are simply here for the tractor information. Today's Charting the Course is going to be a follow-up to a video that I released almost three years ago, actually before this podcast was even a thing. And so I know there are some of you who are here uh, simply as a result of that. And so if you are, I certainly recommend and welcome you to uh, stay Throughout the opening segment, which is my homestead happening segment, where I give people a rundown uh, as far as what we've been up to here on 3B Farm and Homestead. But if you want to just cut right to the chase and head right on over to the tractor content, I will make sure that I create a link uh, to the beginning of that in the description uh, below the video. um, If you are watching this on YouTube, if you are new to the podcast, My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful, but soggy and chilly, and it's just all the things right now here in beautiful upstate New York. (laughs) It's kind of that, ah, I hate to use the term nasty time of the year, but it is. It's just kind of soggy. The leaves are down off of the trees are starting to come down off of the trees, but not all the way down off the trees. And we've had a lot of rain and it's just kind of a dreary, wet, soggy mess. And now it's starting to get dark earlier. So like six o'clock at night feels like nine o'clock at night. And it's just going to get well, you know how it goes. And you didn't. You didn't download this episode just to hear me complain, did you? So let's jump on over to this week's Homestead Happenings, and I'll bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. So as I mentioned, it has been a very wet and soggy fall, and this week has been an extremely wet and soggy week. After we had our first frost uh, at the beginning of the week, it has just been rainy and miserable and kind of overcast. I think maybe one day we had a little bit of sun, but uh, it's just been very, very soggy. And so, right now, all of my animal pens, my chickens, my geese, all of the pig pens are just one absolutely saturated, soggy mess. And yesterday I tried to do something about that. I was like, I I don't care anymore. I'd been holding off on going to get wood chips because I wanted them to drain. And I I just said, I'm going to go get wood chips. And so I drove the tractor down to the town barn. My wife drove the truck down to the town barn. And I quickly realized this was not a good decision. Uh, When I tried to lift up Uh, some wood chips out of that wood pile. It's the first time I've ever had the rear wheels of that tractor come up off the ground. And let me tell you something, folks, that is no fun. They are loaded tires, um, but just because of how wet and soggy and saturated those uh, wood chips are, not only um, were they heavy, but that ground was very, very soggy. And so my tires just sank right down into the muck. And so I aborted mission. I I did go ahead and get a couple of uh, scoops into the truck, but I was just afraid that it would be way too much weight for the back of that Ranger. And uh, I brought one scoop home and uh, we just called it good for now. And so unfortunately, the pigs uh, right now are dealing with just soppy, soggy messes. And uh, I feel bad about it. But it is what it is, as they say. And so hopefully, uh, maybe this week, things will dry out a little bit, and I'll be able to get some wood chips uh, up here and, um, well, get some of that muck and mud kind of uh, corralled uh, by the wood chips. I also wanted to move the chickens uh, this weekend. Um, they are in desperate need of being moved and I wanted to move them up to the Ruth stout bed. One of the things I had to do, first of all, was to repair a window that they had broken on the mobile coupe. And so I got that repaired and then I went to blow up the one tire on the trailer and realized that it is just got some kind of a hole. I think it's just weather checked. And so the one tire, you may remember, I replaced back in the spring, and it looks like I'm just going to need to replace the tire on the other side. Now, it certainly will hold air uh, enough for me to be able to move it, um, but it's not going to hold air for very long. And what I really want to do is wait until after the chickens have kind of got on the roost. And then go ahead and lock them in and move it after dark. And so I'm going to need to blow up the tire during the day and have it hold air until I can um, get it get get the whole shebang moved. And uh, so between that and the fact that everything is so soggy right now, and I just don't want to leave tractor marks across my lawn, I've decided to wait one more weekend before. I move those chickens and get them up to the roost out bed to kind of help me prep that for winter. So a little bit bummed about that, but it is what it is. You've just got to roll with the punches and whatever mother nature throws our way, uh, we'll just uh, kind of roll with it. But this week I did move forward with prepping the homestead for winter uh, and some of that I meant chopping and dropping some comfrey up in my raised beds and then covering them with leaf mulch. And so I've put all of my raised beds pretty much to bed for the winter. I have a few things up there. I think some radishes, some cabbage, and some collards. And I'm trying to think what else? Uh, Some carrots that are still in the beds up there. But by and large, most of the beds have been put to bed uh, for the winter, and uh, I'm very happy about that. I also, for once, put my hoses away before it got so cold they weren't pliable enough for me to roll them up. In the past, I it's just been one of those things I've let get away from me, and then I was out there trying to roll up hoses in you know, 30 degree weather, and they just don't like to roll up when they're very stiff like that. And so kind of pat myself on the back a little bit <laughs> that I actually got that task done this year um, before the cold set in. And then one other thing that I did here on the homestead this week uh, was clean out our pellet stove pipe. Now, I always have great intentions of cleaning it out in the spring, and then I never do it. And so uh, the cold weather set in on us, and we actually ran the oil furnace uh, for about two weeks um, before I was able to get to cleaning out the pellet stove and getting it ready for the winter. A few other things that we've been doing around the uh, homestead is just basic food preservation. So I dehydrated some of our peppers. Uh, If you follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you would have seen those pictures this week. And if you don't follow us there, I'd appreciate it if you did. Uh, It's a great way for you to keep in contact with uh, what we're doing here on the homestead. Um, And so certainly if you're interested, check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, And I had pictures of us dehydrating peppers this week. And then I've also been uh, sitting on the couch in the evenings when I've had time and shelling beans. And so some of them are dry beans that we'll just put away like that. Some of them are shell beans that I will be canning up and uh, then we'll be putting the canners and so forth away. So that's what we've been up to here on 3B Farm and Homestead. I hope things are well wherever you may be. Hopefully things are a little bit drier. But uh, if not, it's all good. We'll just roll with it, right? All right. Before we head on over to this week's Charting the Course, I did want to remind you that this month, November, is the month that we celebrate the birth of the Homestead Journey podcast. I released the first three episodes ever of this podcast back on November 11th, 2019, and so what I've just started doing is celebrating the birth of the podcast throughout the month of November. And this year, how we're going to celebrate it is this way. I have put together a survey to help you help me chart the course uh, for the next, who knows, two, three, five, ten, 10, whatever years this podcast will be in existence. And by doing so, By answering that survey, you will be entered to win fabulous prizes. That's right, folks. Fabulous prizes can be yours if you just participate in that survey as we celebrate two years of the Homestead Journey podcast, us journeying together towards self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. So to fill out the survey, head on over to our website, thehomesteadjourney.net slash survey. And uh, there's a form there for you to fill out. And that's, I don't know, probably 10 questions. It's not very long. Uh, Most of them are either multiple choice or uh, single radio button clicks. And uh, there is an opportunity there for you to kind of provide me with some constructive feedback, maybe things that you like, things that you don't like. Um, Please be kind, but also be honest. Uh, The only way I can get better at doing this is if people are honest with me and give me uh, the feedback that I'm looking for on how to be a better help to you on your homestead journey. And so if you head on over to our website, thehomesteadjourney.net slash survey, or if you go to thehomesteadjourney.net, there is a button that says survey at the very top of the form. Either way, we'll get you there. And I really want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time to fill that survey out. Uh, It will be very, very helpful to me. And I hope that it will be helpful to you because you're helping me help you, right? Anyhow, don't forget, you're able to win fabulous prizes by filling that survey out. So thehomesteadjourney.net slash survey. All right, let's head on over to this week's charting the course almost three years ago i put out a video about our coyote ck 3510 se why we bought this tractor and what what i liked about the tractor and i've had a lot of people ask me for a follow-up video Do I still like it? What kind of problems have I had? Would I buy it again? And so on today's episode, I'm going to try to answer all of those questions. But before I do, let me kind of give you the backstory on how we arrived at buying this particular tractor. When I started my search for a tractor, I really wasn't quite sure what I wanted or what I needed. In fact, if you were to ask me back then what I thought I was going to buy, I would have told you I'm gonna buy a Kubota. Coyote was not even on my radar when I first started the search. This was not a decision that I took lightly. In fact, I spent a couple of years investigating tractors, looking at different models, driving tractors, talking to people, assembling spreadsheets with all kinds of information and trying to figure out what tool I needed for the jobs around our homestead. Now our property is a little over two acres in size. And so I was kind of on the fence about whether or not I wanted a subcompact tractor. And you might remember from last week's episode, a subcompact tractor is a tractor that's a little bit bigger than a lawnmower, but it would be more in that size. It's not trying to talk negatively about them. They are, they are a great uh, option for people with small land Um, But I was kind of on the fence about whether or not that would be a good fit or whether or not a a Larger compact tractor might be a better fit for our needs Eventually, I decided that a compact tractor was what I wanted And part of that has to do with the fact that we have a very long driveway that I need to snowblow in the winter that I need to maintain year-round and there were some things that I was kind of looking on down the road from the standpoint of lift capacity Uh, where I felt like this would be a better option. As I narrowed my search down, I really narrowed it down to three different models from three different manufacturers. I was looking at the Kubota L series, I was looking at the Mahindra 1600 series, and then I was looking at the Coyote CK series. Now, there were some things about all of them that I liked, and there were some things about all of them that I didn't necessarily like. With the L series, it had the all metal construction, just like the Coyote has. It had the side-by-side pedals. In fact, I think all three uh, of them did have the side-by-side pedals for the HST, the forward and the back, not the rocker style pedal. Um, And it also had really great lift capacity. The Mahindra, Uh, It also had great lift capacity. It had a lot more plastic in it, uh, especially over the wheel wells, but it also had the lever for the loader in the tire well, whereas the Kubota had it on the loader itself. As I drove all three tractors, I feel like any one of them really would have been a good fit for our situation, but I just really liked the way the Coyote felt when I drove it. It just was a solid tractor underneath me. It uh, had great handling. It has a very nice tight turning radius. And it did have the overall best lift capacity in its class. And then when I went and looked at pricing, it was the best price. So I had the tractor that I really liked at the price that I really liked. And so I decided to go in the direction of the Coyote. Once I decided that I was going to go the Coyote route, I had initially anticipated buying the CK2610. Now the CK2610 is their base model and it comes in under 25 horsepower, I think it's like 24.9, and so it does not have DPF. As you might recall from last week's episode, I was trying to stay away from the DPF, the Diesel Particulate Filtration. At the time, Coyote did not offer the 2610 in the SE model. The SE model is, I don't know if it stands for super equipped, special edition, I don't know. It just simply means that more stuff comes standard on the SE series than comes on the base series. And so because I was trying to stay away from all of the DPF stuff, I started with a 2610. And I started adding the options that I was interested in. So things like the mirrors, dual rear remotes, um, an upgraded seat with uh, the arms, um, a toolbox, a horn, um, a lot of things like that. And as I made those additions, knowing that the price would go up, the salesman said to me, Brian, I'm more than happy to place your order like this, but... If you pay, and I can't remember how much it was, maybe $1,800 more, you will have 10 horsepower more and you'll have all of these options that you are looking for. And so I ended up buying the CK3510SE with the 10 additional horsepower and all of the options that I felt were important to me. Things like the horn, the mirrors, the toolbox, dual rear remotes, um, the rubber floor mat, Uh, the upgraded seat with the armrests, the uh, linked pedal. It also came with cruise control, which I really didn't care about, Um, but it also had the um, extendable linkages, which make it easier for you to connect three-point instruments, as well as a different style, uh, not the turnbuckle style, but the easy adjustable um, anti-sway bars. There were two other features that I added to Uh, the tractor. One was the rear working light, and then the other was a third function valve. Those did not come with the uh, CK3510SE model. Those were additional upgrades that I paid for. So out of all of that stuff, how much of it is still important to me? Well, quite frankly, I am very glad that I have the horn, the rubber mat, the upgraded uh, seat, um, the extendable uh, arms for uh, connecting the three point implements. I like the uh easy adjustable sway bars, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but they're not the turn by turnbuckle style. Um, all of that stuff, I am very very happy with. Certainly, very glad that I paid for the rear uh, work light, especially when I'm snow blowing in the dark. Uh, that would have been very very difficult without the rear working light, and so I'm very glad that I paid for that. One of the other things that I forgot to mention that does come with the CK 3510 SE and does not come with a standard is an electronic PTO. The electronic PTO, what that does is if you raise your three-point implement, it automatically shuts off your PTO. And then when you lower the, um, the implement, it starts it up again. That's really helpful when you're snow blowing or if you are um, pulling a, a, a finishing mower behind you, although I haven't used a finishing mower, but with the uh, snowblower, especially, as I'm snowblowing down the driveway, I just lift it up, it shuts off, I can spin around and then lower it, and it starts right back up. And so I'm also very, very happy to have that. The one thing that I thought I was really gonna love that I really don't care about is the linked pedal. I just don't use it that much. The link pedal is such that When you engage it, as you depress your pedal, uh, the throttle goes up. So it's kind of like giving it more gas. Normally you would adjust the throttle with a lever and that's usually what I do. I don't usually engage the link pedal. A lot of people find it helpful for loader work. I just don't use it very often. Some of the other things that I thought were important to me were important to me. I'm very, very glad that it has the all metal construction because there's been times when I've dropped some things on there that may have broken the uh a plastic hood for example I'm very very glad that I have the rubber floor mat so I can wash it off and not worry about the paint being scraped off I'm extremely happy that I went with a model that does not have the uh, joystick connected to the loader because that makes it easy for me to get on and off the tractor from either side Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I'm so glad that I went ahead and bought that rear working light for when I'm snowblowing in the dark. It makes it very, very easy for me to be able to see behind me. So overall, I am extremely happy with this tractor and I have had no buyer's regret at all. I would buy this tractor again in a heartbeat. Now, knowing that they have the CK2610SE available now, if they had that available three years ago, I probably would have gone with that, but I have no regrets with going with the 35 horsepower and the DPF. It's regened on me, I think two or three times, and it's not been that big of a deal. While I love the tractor and I would buy the tractor again, I wouldn't buy from the same dealer. That's been my issue with this tractor, and that's why I really beat the drum with regards to your relationship with your dealer being far more important than the color of the tractor. I've had three instances where I needed the dealer, and the dealer has failed me every time. The first time was shortly after I took delivery of the tractor. I realized that the hour meter was not hooked up, and I contacted the dealership and was given the runaround for weeks. In fact, it was a couple of months. They wanted to charge me to come pick the tractor back up. Now, it does say on the side of the tractor that delivery is not included in a warranty work, but in my opinion, they had dropped off a defective tractor. But I had said, okay, go ahead and pick it up. I wasn't happy, I'll pay for you to pick it up. And then the can got kicked down the road for weeks and weeks. In fact, I can't remember if it was two or three months before I finally contacted the owner and complained. I thought the whole time that it was simply that they hadn't connected a couple of wires, but I certainly wasn't gonna go hunting and void my warranty because I connected the wrong wires. They came up to pick up the tractor, but they were smart enough to send the technician and the technician looked and yes, that's all it was. They had not connected a couple of, a couple of wires. But that meant for a couple of months, I had a glorified lawn ornament because I didn't wanna run the hours up on my tractor. So I was paying for a tractor that I had to use sparingly. That didn't make me very happy. The second issue that I had with them was that I lost some lugs from the front of the tire, the lug bolts. Now, I'm not upset at them over that. That was my fault. You need to always be checking those when you're operating tractors and heavy equipment. They just have a tendency to vibrate loose. But I was down to like two lug bolts when I realized what was going on. I contacted my dealer and they said, yeah, we've got them in stock. Now my dealer is about a half hour one-way drive. I drove down there, got the lug bolts, brought them back only to find out they had given me the wrong bolts. I contacted them. It was going to take them, and I can't remember, but it was something absurd. i wanted to say like 12 weeks for them to get lug bolts in for the front of my tractor. Now again, I'm going to have a tractor that is nothing more than a glorified lawn ornament because they didn't have the right part in stock and they couldn't source the part. I ended up coming home and ordering the part from Larry's Stove and Equipment in Tennessee and I had them here in two days. Why couldn't they have done that? Why couldn't they have reached out to other dealers in the area and tried to expedite it? So that was strike two with my dealer. The third strike came when it came time for my 50 hour service. I reached out to them to buy the filters and the oil to do the 50 hour service and I was quoted $450. I thought that was rather high and so I started looking around and I was able to source the filters from another dealership in Pennsylvania for I think a little over $100 and all of the fluids, when it was all said and done, I was able to do it all for about, I think $225. So that was strike three with my dealer. The point I'm making, folks, and I'm not here trying to necessarily bang on my dealer. I'm not going to even mention who my dealer is. doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is I cannot emphasize to you enough how important a relationship is with your dealer because if it, eventually something's going to happen to your tractor. It may be simply that you need to do this 50-hour service. It might be that a tree falls on it. It could be operator error eventually you're going to need your dealer. And if your dealer can't answer the bell, then what you have is a very, very expensive lawn ornament. And trust me, folks, when I tell you, that is not fun. So don't worry about the color of the tractor. Worry about the dealer that you buy it from. Would I buy the CK3510SE, again, absolutely love the tractor. Very, very happy with it. I just would buy from a different dealer. I hope you found this helpful. If you have any other questions, let me know. If I've misspoken about some of the statistics, I'm sorry. It's been about, it's been over three years since I really dove deep into tractor speak. And so I may have misspoken. I may have given you some wrong statistics about the tractor, but overall, I love it. Glad to have it. I'd buy it again, just not from my dealer. We'll catch you later. Brian can be reached by emailing him at brian at the or by contacting him via our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support this podcast, we invite you to become a member of the supporting listeners program for $10 a month or $100 per year you will receive access to a community of like-minded individuals via a private Facebook group, at least one monthly live Q&A with Brian, the opportunity to participate in live recordings of the podcast, access to an ever-expanding library of helpful homesteading content, and so much more. Head on over to support.thehomesteadjourney.net for more information. And just sign up today. As always, the music on this episode was provided by Audionautics.com. So a big shout out to them. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.